morning, six. six. Have you got a little, um, well, I heard, but anyway, it's, um, what do they call it? A pedometer. Uh, I have got Yeah. I'm going to get one. 10,000 Are you? That's what the government recommends. 10,000 steps. And you'll do it, you'll find you only do about two. Yeah. What, two steps. Yeah, two steps. Yes. One here and one back again. Actually, I'm, I'm going to buy one. No, they're a very good idea because they completely change your attitude. Yeah. Because you think, oh, I'm fit, I walk. Yeah. you do. But you find out you're only doing 2,000 steps and the government recommends 10,000 to keep fit. God, I'm not sure I can manage anything today. I feel quite world-weary, I'm afraid. It's all these planes and everything else. Well, have a nice day. Thank you. Do you know we've got ten days of sunshine? Yeah. Although Chris Lowry apparently said something different. A little bit of rain this afternoon. Oh, is it? That's all right. I can do with a little bit of rain. Have a nice day. Thank you. See you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Could do with ten days of sunshine, actually. I think everybody could do with ten days of sunshine. Because, you know, they go, ooh, ten days of sunshine, and I go, oh, God, I hate it. Guess what? Yeah, we could do with the wind changing direction and a volcano being capped. Why can't they just cap volcanoes? I always remember, that was my favourite book, or one of my favourite books, The uh, Journey to the Centre of the Earth, the Jules Verne one, where they sort of go to, I think they were in Iceland, and, and they went down into the crater of a volcano and then walked down the chamber. And you think, what happens if all of a sudden the ground starts shaking? And you think, whoa, run, run. And when they came out the other end, they were in another world. And it had dinosaurs, and I mean, it's a bit, bit fantastic. But looking at this volcano, and I know you're bored witless with hearing about it, but there's people stuck in countries. There's teachers stuck over there, and they're not coming back. Woohoo! And uh, there's pupils over there going, we really want to go back to school today, not. And there's other people going, we'd love to go and, you know, have to go and do something. Jonathan Levi's stuck over in, where's he? Is he Cyprus or... Rhodes. He's in Rhodes. My friend Michael, the hairdresser, is stuck in Cyprus. He's been told he can't come back till uh, Saturday. Oh, sorry, the 25th. That's when he's been told. So I think that's... Is that Saturday, the 25th? Sunday. Um, so all these people who are hoping to get back can't. Jonathan Levi can't, can't get back for another week. So there's going to be a backlog of flights. And, it's not, and still you've got... St- Stupid people turning up to the blooming airport. I mean, are they turning up because they're just stupid? Or they're not listening to the radio? They're not heeding the advice that's been given out to everybody? Don't go to the airport. You'll sit up there wasting your time. Unless, of course, you're one of these egotists and you want to be talking to a film crew. Because they'll always say, oh, hello, have you been here long? No, you haven't just arrived. Oh, you've been here for a week. Been here for a week. We're just giving the girls yogurts. And, uh, and, we're sort of, and, it's, and it's dreadful, really, isn't it? We're, we're hoping to fly out. So- well, you're not, are you? You're not. Why do you not stay at home? Oh, we thought we'd be on the television. OK, great. So you're on the television now. That's about it. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Don't go to the airport. There are no flights. Willie Walsh managed to get one. Somebody pointed out to me earlier, I bet he was serving his own tea and coffee. <laughs> Pushing his own baggage and all the rest of it. Anyway, Trash had a, a nice weekend. It was glorious yesterday, wasn't it? I mean, it really was glorious. Absolutely lovely. Although my, my main... My main interest this morning is listening to Nick Ferrari interviewing Dizzy Rascal. That's going to be at 9.35. And I'm, I'm trying to work out how long it's going to be before Nick tells Dizzy Rascal, or Mr Rascal, uh, that his two sons are big fans. Because I can't see there being in Nick Ferrari's household many Dizzy Rascal albums. In fact, upstairs, I was trying to think of the name of the, the hit song he had. He's, he's, yeah, Nick started wearing a hoodie, hasn't he? Oh, that's why. That's why. Hoodie and trainers. You see, I think trainers should only be worn by certain people. I don't possess a pair of trainers. I do not have... No, I do not have a pair of trainers. No, not at all, no. You'll never see me wearing... I go jogging and I don't go jogging. I go walking. When I go running, I do it in flip-flops, because that's quite an attractive look around my way, with socks. (laughs) Flip-flops and socks. 
Oh, dear. do you know, I could just lie down this morning quite easily and just pull the duvet back over my head. Because when the alarm went off, I was, I was in the middle of one of, of one of the nice bits. You know, where you, you've just found the nice bit of the bed and it's all, it's just lovely. And I'm thinking, I could just pull the duvet over my head and I could just sort of disappear off. And I, I did fantasise about when I, I sort of, because I generally swing one leg out of the bed and then the other. I'm a bit Heather Mills in that department. And I sort of get out of bed and then I, I turn the alarm off. And do you know what I thought? For a brief moment, I thought, what happens if I just lie back on the bed again? And then you think, you, and then you get frightened. And you think, I can't do it. But I would love to do that one morning. I'm not sure it's on the odd mornings where I can do it. I'm not remotely tired. I'm not remotely tired. So I, it doesn't work. But this morning, I could, have done, I could have hit the alarm, sat on the bed and just fallen back on it and gone, gone to sleep again. But I didn't. Instead, I got up, uh, oh, the bathroom, pick up the shaver, go for a wee, sit in the kitchen, make a cup of tea, come back, turn on the television, check on the news, see what's going on. You know, I just like to find out exactly what sort of what's sort of going on in the world and uh, then you get a rough idea and again i was hoping this morning i could have said to you that there are going to be um planes flying and now they've said no not till uh seven o'clock this evening so it just it just gets worse but for all the people and i've said before who rely on the airport for making a living they're not going to make a living for a while and this could go for ages this could go for ages months they've said months depending on whether this volcano keeps going. And, of course, they don't know. We've got volcanologists, but they still don't know how long this volcano will, will go for. No idea. And you'd think in this day and age, we can put a man up on the moon, we can do all sorts of things, we can make it rain in certain parts of the world, if we so desire, and yet we cannot work out how long a volcano's going to go, because they don't know. And that's what I find dreadfully worrying about the whole thing. I'd love to, I'd love to better say, oh... You know, it's, it's going to last for another three months. In which case, then you can plan. Willie Walsh goes up in a plane yesterday and everybody said, well, he's obviously testing it to see whether he can push the government. Somebody then tries, and I think it was Dan Snow, to get people back from France in some of these big inflatables. He gets a load of people back from France who wanted to come back and now the French government have said no. Now it, it's, it's not going to happen at all, which I find desperately worrying. But uh, rather a shame. But, oh, he's not up on a Monday, is he? On a Monday morning at ten past... Where's he going this morning? James, oh, J- James, where are you? Uh, I'm on the M25, heading west, as usual. But it's Monday, dear. I know, I'm a busy, busy boy, but, you know, Thursday, we're doing drive from Bristol because of the leaders' mass debate. Yes. And I thought I... I Ought not to starve the television public of myself, so I'm going in to do to do it today. Right. But, but. I did have a couple of questions for you. Yes. Um, one, one, <laughs> one is I was in exactly the same bit of the bed when my alarm went off. <laughs> no, you weren't. <laughs> I'd have noticed. <laughs> <laughs> well, not literally. Dear. No, no. But you know what I mean. And, and second, Secondly, I've heard lots of rumour, I hope he's not listening, yeah. I've heard lots of rumours about Eamon moving, do you know what I mean? Yes. You, yeah, yeah. So I, I thought I'll make a play for this. Do you think I should wear a tie today or not? Well, I'm, I'm, I was thinking, do something different with your hair. Well, I've done that. I've completely shaved it off. Gives me the sort of... Gives me the sort of... You remember Kojak, we're of the same era. Yes, yes. 
And say, say, listen, I am available at this time of the morning. I could nip in and do it should Eamon be moving somewhere else. Yeah, do you think that's just a bit forward or not? No, no, no. I also suggest this morning, when you're doing your bits to camera, try and pretend that you're doing the show reel now. Oh, what a good idea. So, in other words, make your show reel today and do a lot of pieces to camera, as opposed to looking at Eamon, do a lot of pieces looking directly at the camera, then you can cut those afterwards, then it looks like it's your show, you just cut him out. Oh, what a good idea. So, I'll just, I'll look at the camera, I'll say, uh, good morning. Yes. And just, just talk, yeah, yeah, as if I'm talking to the people at Exactly. Home. In other words, don't, you yeah. know, just say, yeah. ju- just say quick good morning to him, then ignore him, and then turn to the camera, deliberately turn and look at it and go, and I'm talking to you. And people will then you think it's personal. Yeah, I, I actually do need some coaching, really. Yeah. I, I better actually. I noticed in um, in stage you're advertising yourself. <laughs> Am I? As what? Well, as, uh, as private lessons. You've seen my you've it. seen my advert for radio presenter as large wardrobe for sale, haven't you? Well, I tell you what, if you can find something in the papers today, apart from aircraft and people going nowhere for holidays, you're a better man than I, because they're all full of it. It's either that or Britain's got talent or hasn't got talent. And, um, and that's about it, I'm afraid. I didn't watch Britain's Got Talent because I wanted to gen up on what's going on, so I watched the movie 2012 again. Have you seen that? <laughs> I hated it. That, yes, but now it's more poignant with this this, this explosion in Iceland, you yes, see? Yes, yes. Um, I, don't, I don't want to frighten everybody, but did you hear the Icelandic volcanologist say the other day, a young lady, she said, you know, I can't do the accent. Well, I can, but I'm not going to embarrass <laughs> myself. Um, she said, when the little one goes off, it sort of tickles the bun, and that might cause it to go off too. <laughs> That's what, you know, the funny thing is, that's what we like about Icelanders. They've got no sense of irony. <laughs> Last time, I'll leave you with this thought. Last time the big one went off, uh, we had very bad summers for four years. Yeah, oh, right. And it went off in 17-something or other. And yeah. it's quite, I mean, it is quite a serious thing going on here. And I don't think any of the politicians, keeping it fair and balanced, obviously, mm. have actually show the concern that I'd like them to, because this is, this is quite a major problem we're having. Well, I mean, and the, the, the problem is, James, as well, that we're going to start running out of things like papayas and an ugly fruit and pineapples and uh, stuff uh, like that. And I don't know about you, but, I mean, I, I have a diet of ugly fruit. I know. Um, but Mrs. Whale actually went and did some, some uh, siege shopping the other no, day. No, she Lots stockpiled again. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, I didn't want to put it that way, you know, because she could <laughs> see the writing. I'm just, I'm just driving past the uh, exit for Gatwick at the moment. Yes. Normally, even at this time, loads of traffic. Uh, nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Yeah. A big sign's coming up on the motorway saying, as we all know, airport closed. Yeah, and yet still, strange. I said at the beginning of the programme, people are going up there. Incidentally, next time you see Mrs. Well, do give my regards to her and say that, incidentally, the petrol crisis is over, so she can let it out of the bath now. No, 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 no. It's doing her skin no end of good. It's, well, I tell you, she's marvellous. I mean, petroleum, jelly and petrol, what a combination. Yeah, well, 
five, you've got to do something. <laughs> well, listen, have, have a lovely day, and remember, pieces to camera, pieces to camera. Yeah, yeah, no, I will, yeah, yeah, absolutely right, yes, I'll, I'll just, I'll keep saying it over and over in my mind. Yeah, yeah, Ho- hopefully yeah. Eamon won't be listening at this precise moment. No, I hope he won't. Yeah. Could be embarrassing. I, I, I bet he may well be. He'll be in his chauffeur-driven limousine, of course. I suspect so. Well, listen, have a lovely day. It's going to be gorgeous later. A little bit of rain, but nothing to worry about. I'll see you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. Lovely to pieces. Bye. James Whale, off on his way to, uh, to Sky. He'll have to, I was right about the pieces to camera. He'll have to do those. But I'm not telling you to watch Sky, because I'd much rather you listen to LBC, because we paint pictures. <clears throat> I forget who told me that. <laughs> These are the headlines this morning. The government's considering using the Royal Navy to ferry passengers back to Britain as restrictions on UK flights remain in place until at least 7 o'clock this evening. A 16-year-old boy stabbed to death outside a birthday party in Croydon on Sunday morning has been named as Wesley Stirling. And 40 firefighters are tackling a fire at a house in Paddington near the Great Western Road. They were called just before half past one this morning to Woodfield Place. Let's have a check on the state of the roads for you this morning. Being Monday morning and uh, getting you there. Not, of course, if you're sitting at the airport, but uh, if you're out on the roads, it's Jay Louise. Thank you very much, Steve. Well, good news in Paddington. I've just been told after that. Morning, everybody. 18 minutes past five. More on uh, ITV bosses last night, hopeful that Adrian Charles would quit the BBC and sign a million-pound deal with them. Yeah, I'm hoping as well. It, it does become terrible. I don't want to be rude about Adrian Charles, because I'm sure he's got a fan somewhere. But it's just not much. You know, I, I just see the whole thing as just being a little bit stupid, because his contract is up in a month. Quite clearly, uh, he's going to be looking for more money, even though the BBC are making people work twice as hard for less money. So I see no reason why, why he shouldn't as well. And so what they did was they've decided to lighten his load. He'll probably get the same money they brought in Chris Evans to do a Friday. OK, that's OK. There's no problem with that. Adrian, according to what the papers say, and I think half of this is made up, they reckon he's thrown his toys out of the pram and he's having a bit of a queenie strop. Now, I don't really care, but they say here, Adrian's spokesman said he was committed to the one show and was examining his future. You only read autocue and do a few interviews, sonny boy. Don't, don't, don't get over, over and above yourself. It's not rocket science. It's not difficult. Somebody comes in, you've got an army of researchers. That's what I love about all these television programmes. I've, I've started at the end of each show counting how many people work on it. And I've worked out, on the one show, there's about 40 people working on it. You know, so in other words, a celebrity gets booked in. Nothing to do with him. And uh, and little hi you nothing at all to do with her. She doesn't have any. She just comes in and does pretty girl makeup kind of stuff and sits there going, "Oh, Frank and I had a great day, time the other day. We're great, you know." And so all of a sudden she's turned Lorraine Kelly. I'm afraid, a bit worried. Mind you, by the time Paul Lorraine Kelly gets back to GMTV, she won't recognise it. There's nothing on there that's recognisable. Again, there are another programme that started doing paper reviewers. It's the same people. There must be the same 12 people who turn up. Kelvin Dreary Boy McKenzie, who turned up doing the cooking programme. And I did say yesterday how sad that a man of his calibre has, is resorted to doing a cooking naff programme on the television. Former editor of The Sun, powerful man, you know, used to fire people left, right and centre, and now resorted to do a little naff cooking show with a silly man who looks like Yasser Arafat, who's got his tea towels stuck on his head. But anyway, so Adrian Charles is examining his future. They come in, the, the producer for that day, because they'll have different producers for each day. Because while one is doing this programme, the other team in the office will be setting up for the next day. When I did a five-day-a-week programme for Channel 5, it was a, it was a strip show. And uh, Liz was setting up all the teams. There was a team for each day. There were three different teams, and they'd be setting up in advance to get their celebrities in. They write up all the briefs, they give it to them in an envelope. They don't have to do a stroke of work... It's all that the interviews are about five minutes long anyway. 
It's not like doing an hour interview. If you said to Adrian Chart, you do an hour interview with him, he wouldn't have the faintest idea where to start. So all this rubbish about, you know, oh, he's, he's examining his future. Oh, for God's sake. You just sit on a sofa, somebody puts some powder on your face and you speak into a camera. Not difficult. Uh, Matt Smith has a new off-screen sidekick model, Daisy Lowe. I've heard of Daisy Lowe before, doesn't she sort of... Isn't she one of these drearies who hangs around with a load of people? Oh, she's a celebrity kid, is she? Oh, right. So anyway, she's, uh, she's seen out with him. Uh, he's 27, she's 21. Obviously desperate for publicity, Daisy. How sweet of you, darling, to go out with somebody who's not particularly good. Have you seen Doctor Who recently? He's not even attractive, is he? I mean, I don't want to be rude about it, but I thought television was only for good-looking people. I thought, yeah, David Tennant would like, but I mean, he's... But th- this one, I watched him the other day. A bit naff. It's, it's, it's not very good, actually, I'm afraid. And I think proven in the, uh, in the figures. But I suppose she's... Got... Oh, guess who's back with their husband again? Having been through all the charade and the, uh, and the breaking up. No, no, not Kerry, no. Amy Winehouse. She's, she, she's back with um, Blake Fielder Civil. How stupid, how dreary, honestly. I thought you'd disappeared, actually, I mean, done us all a favour. Could you take your father with you as well? I don't want to be rude, but, you know, any man who starts revelling in the silly publicity that, it, that was generated. Oh, Britain's got talent we did watch. I can't help feeling that poor Amanda Holden has been given a part that she's not able to handle. She's just wider. Oh, you're amazing. Oh, I didn't expect that. Oh, wow. God, you're good. And whereas half of them, 99% of them are not really that good, I'm afraid. They're very average. You know, I don't want to see... I said yesterday on the programme, I don't want to see another performing dog. You can go to the circus and see performing dogs. I don't know why it should be any different when they turn up on the television. Ridiculous. Incidentally, if you've ordered your wedding dress from China, you've been conned. There's uh, thousands and thousands of British brides have ordered wedding dresses because they're cheaper. Unfortunately, they don't exist. And so companies, uh, there's, there's one mentioned here, I can't remember what it is actually, uh, called, um, it's got a very strange name, where is it? Blasted thing. But it's, it's uh, something like, oh, Angelic Eye. I mean, it sounds a bit worrying to start with, doesn't it? But people have ordered so-called bargains, £99. Uh, when they've arrived, they've either been such poor quality they've had to send them back, or they don't arrive at all. The Retail Bridewear Association said they've seen hundreds of cases, usually involving dresses around 99 quid, so what I call class weddings. Hello, darling, where'd you get that from? China. How much? £99. You was done, love. Not yet, but hopefully. <laughs> you know, and so it goes on. Uh, also, Mark Owen is back out with his wife. And uh, they're in the sunshine, together with a, what looks like a camera crew on board. But that's what happens now if you're in the, uh, in the showbiz world, which is all good news, isn't it? Uh, also today, I mean, well, flights, 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 flights. That's all I can tell you about. No flights, no flights. Really awful. Really awful, sorry. And colds. Everybody's got colds at the moment. Everybody's wheezing and coughing and spluttering. Not so good. Uh, I love the story about... Jamie Oliver, who is now among Britain's 1,000 richest people, despite giving away 2.7 million. He's worth about 65 million. And do you know what the key words were in this interview when they were saying he's given away 2.7 million, he's worth 65 million? The Jamie Oliver Foundation. Now, you know, anybody who's rich has got a foundation. The Elton John Foundation. The George Michael Foundation. Sadly, the Steve Allen piggy bank in the corner does not rank the same. But these foundations are perfectly legal ways of channeling huge amounts of money in. And you can what, what you do is it's, it's legal tax breaks. But anybody who's got a load of money is always advised to set up a foundation. Nancy Reagan's got 
uh, Foundation. Unfortunately, in her case, it was set up purely for the benefit of Nancy Reagan. But on, on 2.7... Uh, sorry, on 65 million and giving away 2.7 million, his, his tax will be very, very low. That's why you set up a foundation. There are lucrative benefits if you've got that much money to set up a foundation. Ask anybody in the business. It, it works. It works really well. And well done for Jamie for £2.7 million giving away. Absolutely fantastic. He's at number 22 on the giving list. He's given away 4.2%. Now that, I think, is fantastic. And his new programme and his books, the new programme was out, I think, the other day. And uh, it's Jamie around the world. And well done to him for that, because I bought the last book. I bought the last book. I also bought the set of saucepans. <laughs> and I also bought the sauces. So I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of giving. But foundations are a great way. Anybody with a lot of money, that's what they do. The Nancy Reagan one was done by Kitty Kelly in her book. Yeah, but you don't, you don't have to give... Huge, huge, huge chunks. The foundation is merely set up to help... In, in Jamie's case, it was set up to help young people because he put them through his, his restaurant. Well, he, he put people through, through the restaurant thing. In George Michael's case, I don't know why he set up a foundation. I couldn't quite work out whether it was for driving his car around late at night. I don't know what the, the purpose was. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't know what he does. I would like to find it. Elton, we know... Because he has the Elton John AIDS Foundation. And that's, and that's a, a separate thing as well. But they're, they're great things. You know, if you, have, if you have loads and loads of money, that's, that's what you do with it. You have to do it. Because otherwise, the, the, the tax incentives are, in this country are absolutely... There's, there's no incentive at all unless you set up the foundation. But you've got to have enough money to be able to do it. It's, it's no good having, you know, 13 and 6 months 8 You've got to have... A bit more money, I'm afraid. Well done to the bookies who reckons that, uh, reckon that Britain's Got Talent fans have already seen this year's winner. Now, I don't think we have. They've always said, and Britain's Got Talent, and I think you'll find that uh, Louis will probably say the same, he was voting them off so fast the other day. They were coming on stage. <laughs> they were doing their bit for a second, and he, he quite clearly got the hang of the buzzer. And he said, so if I push this... And they went, yeah, and he went, right. Some of them barely got into the act... And he pushed the buzzer, and they were out straight away. But we ended up with a little girl who was ten, uh, who was singing a Vera Lynn song. Not very well, but she's ten. You remember, this is on the programme that Simon Cowell said, ages ago, we shouldn't really put children on the television, because it's exploiting them. When she was voted through, she burst into tears. She's ten. Dame Vera Lynn said she quite clearly doesn't understand the words she's singing, in the, because she's ten. But they put her through. It wasn't a very good version of White Cliffs of Dover at all. The other one that we put through as well was a bloke who dances, who was in every paper yesterday because his father called him gay. His two brothers threatened to beat him up because he went in to dance. And they said, oh, only gays dance. And then I watched him dancing and I thought, he's doing street dance. He's not doing... He's not doing this, you know, sort of Billy Elliot stuff. He's not doing ballet. He's doing street dance. Very good he was. I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a winning act there. Although George Sampson went on to do reasonably well, although dropped by Simon's, uh, Simon's programme, uh, his, uh, his, his record company, because I didn't know where they could go with George Sampson, but he still turned over about 1.2 million. David Quantic uh, gives the new series a big yes, but does say that you really shouldn't overhype the people on the programme because, you know, it's, it's too early. 
It's too early. It's, the programme has only just started. Got record audiences. 12 million. 12 million tuned in to watch it. Now that's good. LBC 97.1 Morning everybody, don't forget Nick Ferrari with you at 7 this morning with this ash cloud over Europe leaving flights grounded and it looks like it could be there, well, for days. For days, while the volcano in Iceland is happily spewing this out. Experts over there, volcanologists, have said it could be a day, two days, two months, two years. They've got no idea. It's that bad. Meanwhile, Willie Walsh goes up in an aeroplane to see whether or not it's as bad as the government say it is. And I begin to wonder how long before they, they, before they actually push flights up there, because things are going to get so desperate. And don't think they won't get desperate. Still there are people... I mean, I still see images on the television of people standing in a queue waiting for a flight. There's, there's no flights till 7 o'clock this evening. Everything is grounded, and they'll review the situation again. First of all, it was going to be, I think they said, 7 o'clock this morning. Then they said it was 1 o'clock. They keep pushing it further and further back. There are certain flights taking off around the world. If you're on a cruise... You're fine, as long as you don't have to fly back and you're coming back into Southampton. But if your cruise terminates in America, which many of them do, you're going nowhere. Jonathan Levi is, uh, is stuck out at the moment in Rhodes. He can't come back for another week. A friend of mine, Michael, is uh, stuck in Greece. He's another one who can't get a flight back for another week. So that's what, because the backlog has built up. All the people who make a living out of the airport, all the black cab drivers in London... And I should imagine there's the best part of a thousand of them would go up in the morning to greet the flights from America. No work. No work. So what do they do? They sit there. People who are working at the airport who have businesses up there. No customers. No point. What's the point of opening up if you've got a McDonald's franchise or you sell scarves or books or whatever it happens to be? There's nobody up there, so you're appealing to nobody. And the baggage handlers who make their money, you know, taking bags from here to there and they get tips from people, they're not making any money. So the whole thing generates. And then there's all the stuff that's not coming in, all the posts from America that's sitting there piling up, piling up and piling up. That's going nowhere. It's just, it's a disaster. And then, of course, all the, all the fruit and the food that we freight into the country that comes through here, Heathrow Airport and all the other airports, that's not coming in either. So that's sitting rotting in warehouses. They'll end up throwing all that away. They were saying the other day, I don't think it was scaremongering, to say you're going to start seeing shortages on the shelves. Even James Whale said earlier that uh, Mrs Whaler started, well, he didn't call it stockpiling. He called it panic buying. And that's what people will do. They did it years ago. If they thought they were going to run out of bread, people became so panic-stricken they were going out buying 20 loaves at one time and freezing them. And so all of a sudden there was nothing left on the shelves. Provided people are sensible, it's fine. It's only when the media start getting over, over-hyped with this kind of thing that people go into a, into a dreadful panic. Emma Barnett's going to be looking at the papers this morning. And after this horrific case of another toddler mauled to death by a dog... Nick will be asking why the Dangerous Dogs Act just isn't working. There's a couple in the paper today. Uh, it's, it's a family, and uh, they claim their dog was put down by a vet because they couldn't afford a £1,500 operation. I've looked at a picture of this uh, family. They own a Staffordshire Bull Terrier, and they've got a picture of them here, and uh, they took their dog in for treatment as she struggled to give birth to puppies. Now, I don't know if you know how vets work. You can either go to the PDSA, in which case for a nominal sum they will look after animals. If you go to a normal vet, they charge. Vets are very rich now. They are the new doctors. You won't find a poor vet. This particular case, they were told the consultation would be £40, okay, which is fair enough. And then the vet says, well, the dog needs a caesarean, and that's £1,240. Because that's how much they charge. Anybody will tell you who's been to a vet, you don't walk out with a bill of £2. It can be hundreds of pounds. Hundreds of pounds. 
Lisa, who earns £800 a month as a shop assistant, we don't know what the father does, uh, says, I was hysterical. We were told if we couldn't find £1,200 in 24 hours, the dog would have to be put down. Because you can't leave a dog in labour all that time. It's got to be done. They don't have £1,200. So uh, the vet kept saying it would be a criminal offence if we took the dog away. So, in other words, the, the, the dog can't have them. It's got to have a caesarean. It gets quite complicated, this one. But uh, in the end, uh, Lisa lost her temper. There's a picture of this family in the paper. They look as though they might lose their temper. They've got a Staffordshire. You would lose your temper, but sadly, the, uh, the vet said, well, listen, this is what happens. The moment you lose your temper, the vet gets panicky. He calls the police in. Because this woman quite clearly becomes very violent. They couldn't find the money. Couldn't find £1,200. I'd like to ask the question. It doesn't put it in the paper. Do they drink? Do they smoke? Because if you have pets, they cost money. I've seen more programmes on the television of people who've got lots of cats and lots of dogs and they don't look after them properly. They've got mange and fleas because they can't afford the vet bills. My advice is don't have the pet if you can't look after it. It's cruel. Anyway, in the end, they couldn't find the money. So the dog and the six puppies were put down. For 90 quid. The family still have Coco's mum at home. And then Lisa said, well, she's very upset and all this. And uh, offers were made to the family in an attempt to help, say the vets. But it was refused. We're trying to support a business with 40 employees. If people are reasonable, we try to come to arrangements. But it is unreasonable for anyone to expect the directors will pay for somebody else's dog to be treated. Well, there you go. That's 1,240. <laughs> Okay. I remember we used to have a vet on LBC years ago, and uh, I remember somebody went round to his house once. And I said, what was the house like? Because you're always curious, aren't you? So, and he said, well, it was fantastic. He said, he opened the front door, and the door at the back of the house was open, and you looked straight down to the tennis courts. I went, I wish I'd become a vet. I wish I'd become a vet. There's so much more money in being a vet. But I can't do it. I've seen people treating all sorts of animals, and I just... I couldn't do it, I'm afraid. It's the it's having to put animals down is uh, is not so good. Uh, eight four eight five zero. Steve at LBC dot co dot uk. There's another couple here. You, they used to have a farmhouse, but unfortunately, just down the road, they put up wind turbines, and they decided they couldn't live with the noise of wind turbines. In fact, it just just ruined their lives, and so they're suing now for three hundred eighty thousand pounds damage. We notice everybody goes in the papers now suing. You know, if in doubt, sue. You know, I'm terribly sorry. It's very cold today. Some woman was in the paper the other day. Uh, her son stubbed his toe at school. So they wanted to sue the school because he stubbed his toe. I've stubbed my toe no end of times. It blooming hurts. I never thought about suing anybody. Perhaps I should start thinking about this. It's obviously the, obviously the way forward. Susan Boyle's got a new album coming out, and they reckon that this one could top even the first album. And uh, as we predicted on LBC on this programme, the moment they ban Methadrone, it would take them about five seconds to change the formula and come up with a new one. And the new one is already out in the market called Sparkle. So, in other words, the government then have to go through the same process again to ban Sparkle. All they do, they just change the chemical composite. And they put out something else. Because for some reason, we have an inability in this country, not just here but all over the world, to enjoy ourselves without taking drugs without depending on chemical dependency and so there are thousands of people out there there's a woman in the paper today she's part of a traveling family and what they did was and it it's it's almost i don't know you 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 can uh, applaud them in one way for trying to better their lives they fraudulently through benefit fraud and it's obviously not that difficult managed to rip off us to the tune of a hundred thousand pounds so they could send their children to private schools so they could get them privately educated 
Unfortunately, they always had a few other things. They had something like 4,000 stolen mobile phones at home and uh, £78,000 of money sitting under the bed, all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, that was immaterial. But what they did, as opposed to wasting it, they put it to good use. And, uh, and the, the, the mother said, I've got no regrets at all. And, and I've said time and time again on the programme, it must be that easy to indulge in benefit fraud because these people are the tip of the iceberg. Absolutely the tip of the iceberg. It's easy to go out there and claim benefit fraud. It's, it's that simple. They got 100,000. Eventually they got caught. I've seen people who've had even more than that. And they've, you know, squandered it on a lifestyle. People who claim, you know, incapacity benefit. Perfectly able to work. Turns out the husband in this particular case is not quite well enough to face the court at the moment. And then another one has skipped bail and disappeared completely. Because we give people bail now. You knife somebody and they go, right, uh, you're out on bail. You think, oh, very little chance of them turning up in court. The only thing you can be sure of nowadays is that when you turn on the television, you've got Piers Morgan's face grinning at you from there. And there was a bit of a row the other day with him and Amanda Holden when he was saying to this, this breakdancing guy, Tobias Mead, you know, you need to make more use of the stage. And Amanda went, are you serious? Because Piers thinks he knows about showbiz, but he's not, he's not in showbiz, really. He's sort of, he's, he's, he's out on, on the limb, trying desperately to be in showbiz and to be the personality, and it's not worked, whereas Amanda sort of worked her way up through Blind Date and a few other programmes. And, uh, and she's not a great actress, but she likes sitting there watching these, uh, these people. And so she said, no, he was good. He's the best thing we've seen so far. And then, unfortunately, uh, Simon Cowell agreed. He said, I'm going to agree with... And then you get the pregnant pause. Amanda. And the crowd cheered. And, of course, Piers looked a little bit dejected. Because nothing worse than if the boss of the programme goes, no, I, I agree. I wish I'd seen the tweets between Kerry Katona and uh, Brian McFadden. Apparently, it all came to a head over this weekend where um, Brian McFadden uh, slammed uh, ex-wife Kerry Katona as a pig-faced mole. She claimed that... I know. But then she'd said that uh, he only speaks to his children five times a year and the daughter, Lily Sue... Well, you don't go for these names for these children nowadays, but that's their business. Yeah, what's wrong with Lily? Why Lily Sue? I mean, are people going to go, Lily Sue? You know, it's just, it just doesn't make sense. But anyway, he said, I speak to them nearly every day. So he then twittered, Kerry Katona, you are dead to me. She twittered back. And so the whole thing became a war of words. As opposed to picking up a telephone. You know, twittering, you're doing it publicly. And it then becomes terribly, terribly embarrassing. Uh, Brian has since tweeted, sorry for bringing my personal anger to Twitter. Let's have some fun. The original comments about Kerry have been removed. Meanwhile, Kerry, who is moving to Hove in East Sussex. <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I could be bankrupt. Please, God, make me bankrupt so I can move to Hove in East Sussex. Stayed so It's quite nice, isn't it? You get sort of Brighton and then you get the posh bit and Hove. And it's got some very nice houses. And it's almost, it's a little bit God's waiting room. A little bit. It's it's it is so. It is so. There's lots of elderly people in bus shelters, and that's why you liked it because you have a good conversation. You can sit there. You can get a cup of tea for under a pound just around the corner. You can sit there and have a cup of tea and and ponder on the state of the economy. You know and and why you know you're not rich enough to about yes. Well, didn't end up, well, of course, I only ended up in Dover because I hadn't read the signs properly. However, Kerry stayed sober at a farewell bash in the White Apron restaurant in her hometown of Warrington. So I'm assuming. The house has been taken back to pay the bills. So she's moving to Hove. My God, it must have been worth something. She'll, she'll find it a bit different, because in Hove, you don't get a lot for a million pounds. I know. I've looked at property down there. There was one. In fact, strange enough, I saw it in 
country life about two years ago, and it looked lovely. When you went into the house, it was just beautiful, and out the back was a big pool with koi carp and a swimming pool, and it was just beautiful. I've never seen a... I looked at it, I thought, wow, that's great. And they were looking for 6.5 million. And I thought, that's lovely. What they didn't show you, and I went down there, because I said to my bank manager, I said, can, I, can we find this house in Hove? She said, oh, I know where that is. And you go to this road, they're all next door to each other. There's no sort of privacy. There's a little wall at the front. Somebody can step over it into your garden. And I looked at it, I said, that's 6.5 million, that house. And she went, is it? I went, yeah. It's like, if you really want a day out... Go to, well, either Millionaire's Row in London or go to Winnington Road in Hampstead, where there are 40, 50, 60, 70 million pound mansions next door to each other. You won't better stop the car and get out and look around because they've got private security. But it's worth looking at to see what money is. However, going back to poor Kerry Katona at her party, uh, a source said Kerry never touched a drop all night. But we got the impression she was doing it because the cameras were there. Because she's been told if she goes back onto it, the agent will uh, will just drop her like a ton of bricks. And Claire's, Claire, Claire's quite powerful. She'll say to her, listen, I can turn your career around reasonably, but I can't... Uh, if, if you go back on the drink, that's it. OK, there is just no point in me wasting my time with you. So they've got her out there. Still the same Kerry, but the trouble is she was only interesting when she was drunk, when she poked her tongue out and when she was revolting. I'm not really sure, as they've said in the paper today, that, uh, that there's any talent there at all. She doesn't juggle. She doesn't sing. What does she do? Answer, she doesn't do anything. She's famous for being Kerry Katona. Famous for doing... In fact, if you say to somebody in the street, Kerry Katona, they go, drugs. And that's all they say. They don't go, oh, she, you know, she's a great singer. And they just don't say it. And we're in this era now of celebrities who are famous because they've, they've become celebrities. Because OK Magazine pick them up. And they go, you're a celebrity. And you go... No, you're not. Why are you a celebrity? Because she's foul-mouthed and did drugs. Small wonder there's no incentive for young people nowadays. And as they were saying overnight, all people want nowadays is to be famous. They don't want anything else. They just want to be famous. Great tragedy, isn't it, really? 14 to 6. These are the headlines. The government's considering using the Royal Navy to help get passengers back to Britain as the UK flight ban continues. It's thought 150,000 Brits are stranded abroad. They said they wanted to talk to anyone who was at a birthday party in Croydon, where a 16-year-old was stabbed to death on Saturday night. And house prices went up 2.6% last month, according to property website Rightmove. Let's have a check on the roads before you get there nice and quick this morning with the help of Jay Louise. Thank you very much, Steve. Good morning. Starting with the flights, actually, as we know, still no flights allowed. 12 minutes to uh, 6 Monday morning. Still no flights. One of these days, I'll actually better open up the phone lines and say... We are flying today. You're flying today, aren't you? And people are up and go, yeah, I'm flying. Jonathan Levi will talk to you just after six. He's stuck in Rhodes. He's got uh, currently a programme running on the television, which is Parent Trip, with lots of famous people that they've sent abroad. And uh, second one out, George Lamb and Larry. They're out. And then there's, uh, there's another, I think, two or three or four. But he can't get back to England. Uh, the same as loads of other people, especially all the, the um, teachers who are away at the moment. The NUT has been told, listen, don't... Don't sort of get on their case when they come back, because they're probably sick to death of it already. Uh, just checking with a friend of mine who knows about these things. He's checked the ratings for Marco Pierre White's show, a ratings disaster, I'm afraid. Uh, what they'd be looking for would be five million. Five million would be comparable to the one show, which I think attracts about four million. So it's actually not in, in the ratings stake. The one show is actually very successful. Uh, but uh, Marco Pierre White, less than 2.7 million people. 
hardly worth bothering. For the amount it costs, they'd be looking at uh, just under five for it to be, you know, passable. 2.7 million. Disaster. I think the public have fallen out of love with these kind of cookery shows. We just don't want to see them anymore, do we? Uh, Dee says, I wear trainers the majority of the time. Can't walk in anything else. I went to a wedding where the bride's dress was from eBay and it was lovely. We, we bought a wedding dress on eBay. Alex, uh, we bought one in the studio. We, was, we were fascinated to see what sort of wedding dress you got on eBay. So we bought one and we paid... F- yeah, we bought one. We paid 50p for it. It was lovely. It wasn't, wasn't quite my size. We paid 50p for it. Alex Madavi bought it on his eBay account and we had it delivered. And we, I think it was 50p. Whatever it was, it was certainly very cheap. So you don't need to spend a fortune. That's why when you see, uh, see weddings on the television, they go, and this dress cost £50,000. And you go, ooh, £50,000 for a wedding dress? So much easier just to have civil ceremonies. Uh, Mark says, what makes me laugh? In the film 2012, the plane was flying through ash clouds and eruptions, and it was OK until it ran out of fuel. <laughs> exactly. Well, I've seen it. I've seen all these planes where they've got clouds of this coming up. There's something different, though, about this stuff. This can clog up jet engines. And that's the problem. And that's, that's why Willie Walsh went up the other day to test the theory. Seems a bit draconian, a bit drastic, doesn't it, to, to go up there and do it? But, uh, but he did, to see if he can push the government to say, look, we, we can do it. Now they're saying the Navy could become involved. The French authorities have clamped down on Dan Snow taking anybody else out of France. Perhaps they want to hang on to them for as, uh, as long as possible. But pe- people are now getting desperate. They don't want to be where they are. They want to come, they want to come back here. They want to get back here as quick as possible, thank you, because they've got things to do. Dreadful. 84850, steve at TV licence payers are force-fed, uh, says Ray, a daily diet of soaps and their omnibuses. Gardening programmes, cookery programmes, reality shows, property shows, celebrity talent shows on ice or dance. Maybe it's time to move these substandard programmes to a non-licence fee channel of their own. The thing is, they get huge audiences. Well, not all of them. The soaps do quite well. Uh, the omnibuses, I'm not sure. Gardening programmes, I think we're reasonably fascinated in. Grand designs we like, because it's quite classy. And these people have got loads of money. And uh, the celebrity shows, 12 million Britain's Got Talent. 12 million. That shows how dire television must be if a programme like that, where they bring people on and we laugh at them and we point at them and go... They had two ladies on. And they had tambourines. And so they... And so, I think it was Piers Morgan said, uh, or it might have been Louis Walsh, said, oh, you've got tambourines? She went, no, timbrels. And he went, tambourines. And she went, timbrels. And so this went backwards and forwards. He went, they're tambourines. And she went, they're timbrels. Well, for the lady in question, I have to tell you that a timbrel is exactly the same as a tambourine. There is no difference whatsoever. She was just being nitpicky. Either way, they got rid of them very quickly, like most of the people on there. But dancing dogs, I'm afraid, a little bit naff, a little bit naff. But uh, if there was a dedicated channel for all these uh, programmes, would we watch it? Of course. And there is a dedicated channel. It's not, a, it's not accessed by you, Ray, but loads of people get it. They get it in the forces. It's called BFBS television. And what they get to have is the pick of all the TV programmes. I know, because I've done links on it before, and they get literally one good programme after another. And they're all on there, and they, they don't have to bother with sort of flipping around the channels. England's training base is still a building site. That's 53 days before the World Cup starts. I just suppose we can, if we've got some great weather coming up this week, which we have, then uh, I think they will actually get things done pretty quickly. They've said 10 days. 10 days of good weather is coming up. A little bit of rain today, but not too much to worry about. Uh, the ash still from the volcano in Iceland, still blowing towards the UK. 
I've no idea how long it's going to go for. Not a clue. Machine not working? No. Oh, no, it's coming. Oh, it's coming. Lovely. And, uh, oh, it's Paul Savory's birthday today, of course. Should have remembered that. The 19th, so many happy returns. He is currently uh, tied up in Bangkok at the moment, where they've got all the trouble with the red shirts. He went over to Japan. I mean, all these people that we have on the programme are all stuck in various parts of the world. So not only can he not fly back, but he's holed up in his hotel at the moment. Well, it's not his hotel. He has a, has a flat out there. So I hope he's listening to the programme and uh, enjoys uh, his, uh, his birthday today. And Lynn said, our dog had his booster recently, uh, paying for his food. Not much change out of £100. He's got to start paying his way. Which way to Britain's Got Talent? <laughs> I don't know. Early cloud will clear this morning, says Richard Hakey, to allow some sunshine. Cloudy this afternoon, scattered showers toward the evening. 15 centigrade, cooler than yesterday, because it was beautiful. It was beautiful. All the riverside pubs were doing really well. People were happy. It makes people smile. You go out in the sunshine, people look happy. Some people look happy. Some people don't look at all happy, but they're just miserable permanently. But it was lovely. Boats going up and down the river, you know, to Hampton Court. Everywhere was chock-a-block. I was in London for... Actually, I made a mistake yesterday, one of those rare occasions, because I went to the Dutch Festival in Trafalgar Square, which was horrible. It was too packed. You know, to be honest with you, I was expecting so much more for a Dutch festival, apart from a lot of drunk people, I'm afraid, because you could drink alcohol in the square... But Westminster Council have put up notices saying, you, you know, outside of here is Westminster and you're not allowed to drink, even though the back by the, uh, the National Gallery is just full of all the drunks under the sun and uh, people with their shirts off, which is a little bit unnecessary in London. So we're all in there. And then they were doing pole vaulting. There was a bloke with a stall selling tulips, you know, what else from Amsterdam. But nobody was buying them because they're cheaper in the supermarkets. His seemed really expensive. And I thought, you thought you'd be giving them away. Supermarkets, you know, sort of, you know, Dutch festival, give them away. And I think it was to celebrate the birthday of Queen Beatrice of the Netherlands. So they do that every year. And then there was something going on on the stage, but it was too noisy and too loud and far too packed and it just wasn't comfortable. So I came away and I thought it was a two-day event. Sadly not, because when I finished the programme yesterday, walked down through Trafalgar Square. And, of course, what, what they've got in Trafalgar Square yesterday, they put up all the big screens for the funeral of the Polish president. And there were lots of people who gathered there, people who couldn't get back to Poland because of the, uh, the situation in the sky. So, very kindly, they put up screens in the square and they, they relayed it uh, to all the people waiting. So, uh, so that, was, that was good for them there. Uh, the flight embargo, says Marie, is affecting everybody. Teachers stuck abroad, some on school trips, pupils unable to get back. Uh, four exams, weddings cancelled. I was going to book a week in Malta during the May half-term, but I think I'll stay in the UK. I don't think I have much choice, really. I think you have to stay in the UK. There's nothing... I feel terribly sorry for anybody who had booked a holiday for this week and was really looking forward to it and going, I'm really... We're going nowhere. If you book by ship and you're picking up Southampton or any of the other... Well, then fine. You remember we told you that awful story the other day that uh, Graham Cole, ex the bill, good friend of the programme... Uh, he is, uh, he's the president of this charity that looks after sick children and takes them away on holiday. And they were stuck at Gatwick. They were looking forward to going down to Florida, to Disney, for their, to take them away on holiday. And some of these children, if I tell you, I don't want to emphasise too much, they're very, very sick children. So each child comes with a nurse and a carer because they're very sick. And some of them, you know, this might only be the only holiday that they will ever have. And they were stuck at the Hilton at Gatwick. So what Graham was trying to do is get them... They, they've arranged visits to Chessington. They've got no transport. They got them to the, to the hotel to transfer them to the flight. So I think there's 28 of them now. 
because 14 children, but with all the carers and the, they've got their own doctor and things like that. But some, some of the children are really sick. And, they, and it's, it's just... I know there's nothing you can do about it because it's an act of nature. But uh, it does seem ironic, doesn't it, that a volcano explodes a few hours away in Iceland... And everything is affected here. People who are going away. There'll be all sorts of things. There'll be people who are perhaps flying the bodies of loved ones out somewhere else. Nothing's going anywhere. It's all just sitting there. And still, people turn up at the airport. And every time I turn on the television, there's somebody else being interviewed. And I think, why are they at the airports? What are you doing there? Nothing's going to take off. Liz says, I live near Heathrow, and it was wonderful to sit in the garden at the weekend and no planes flying over. You see, I like the planes flying over. I never understand. If you live in Colnbrook near Terminal 5, I thought, I mean, I, I welcome them. I used to, when Concorde went over, I used to love it. I'd rush out and go, Concorde, Concorde. You know, and some of the planes coming in, I, it doesn't affect me. I always think if you buy a place that's under the flight path or near a flight path, then that's what you expect. I don't have any problem with planes flying over. I wave at them and everything. Welcome to England, you know. Set off fireworks and do things. Make them feel a bit welcome. I love stuff like that. Live near airports all my life and surrounded by aeroplanes, and I absolutely love it. Um, John, thank you very much indeed for that. As I say, I'm, I, I think Paul's OK at the moment. I think he'll be, hopefully, enjoying his birthday. Doing what? I've got no idea. Probably enjoying some nice Thai food. It's LBC. We all make good decisions and bad decisions, but making no... Morning, everybody. I feel like saying it's your volcano station because, frankly, we've learnt more about volcanoes in the past few days. And I was always a big fan of volcanoes. I've got, I must be the only person I know who's got DVDs of volcanoes. I'm fascinated by them. You just don't realise that they're going to cause so many problems. Noreen uh, went swimming yesterday and then came back to listen to Simon Calder because she said, we're, we're going abroad soon. This is where Simon comes into his own. She said, best I don't tell you where we're going. <laughs> so I suspect it's somewhere terrible. But uh, the good news was, she said, Nathan Morley knew Ron last week's playback which is quite nice. Uh, we'll do the uh, newsroom nag a little bit later on. And do you remember I told you that last week, in an effort to try and get a little bit fitter, I decided to go for, uh, for a walk, and I went up the monument, which is uh, the one that was built between 1671 and 1677 to commemorate the Great Fire of London and to celebrate the rebuilding of the city. Um, designed, they say, by Christopher Wren. And I walked all the way to the top, 311 steps. And believe you me... When you're, when you're not a particularly fit person and you climb 311 steps, it, it really tells. Some people can go jogging every day and it doesn't have any, you know, they don't have any problems. They don't get pain. To, me, halfway up this thing, I'm getting pains like you've never felt before. But we got to the top and then looked at the fantastic view over London and then walked down again. And it wasn't until I got home, somebody said to me, did you get your, your certificate? And I said, I didn't get my certificate. I walked to the top. And, and I didn't get my certificate on the way out again. But very kindly, and as you can always imagine, there are people listening to this programme who think, ah, oh, you're another listener to LBC. And Carrie Hall is from the Tower Bridge exhibition. She says, our sincere apologies, Steve, for, uh, for not having a monument certificate to present you on your recent visit. But um, here it is. So I've got my certificate now from the City of London, from Philip Everett, Director of Environmental Services, to say that I've climbed the 311 steps to the monument. A feat in itself. So, Carrie, thank you very much indeed for that. I'm very grateful. I shall get that frame. I'm quite excited, actually, by the fact that I did it. However, one person who is really getting very frustrated because he's got TV programmes in the making, he's got things to coordinate, but he's stuck in roads. And he looks like he's going to be stuck there for a little while longer. He was going to be joining us on Thursday to come in and do the papers, but sadly... 
It looks very unlikely, unless they're going to charter a plane specifically for Jonathan Levi. Morning. Morning, Steve. Morning. So you're, you're kind of stuck at... What, when were you supposed to be coming back? We were meant to be coming back on Saturday evening, a few days ago. So we were meant to be going to the airport sort of towards the end of Saturday to get an evening flight back to Gatwick. Right. But um, I had to call Expedia on Saturday daytime to find out what was going on. I had to hang on for over two hours on the phone on the call centre, finally managed to get through because they're so busy, only to find that the flight, of course, was cancelled with, with, no, with no sense of it being rescheduled at all. Right, so you were on a, a normal flight coming out from Rhodes to come into Gatwick. They then say to you, well, you might as well stay where you are and we'll let you know the situation. Well, we're quite lucky in that a lot of people are in sort of terrible situations where they've just paid for flight only or they've got a sort of room-only deal at a hotel or whatever that's come to an end and therefore it's all completely their own responsibility and that they have to pay for everything. We're lucky in that we booked an Expedia package so that the Expedia package means that Expedia are responsible for getting us home and also for paying for us to stay here while we wait. So we're actually, um, in, in terms of asking around, and certainly from other people in the hotel and things, a really lucky situation that we're being paid for by Expedia to be here while we wait. Right. Are you with the, are you with the family or are you filming? Oh, with the family. With right. the family, we just came for a few days' break. Um, but Estella's meant to be back at school tomorrow, and, I, you know, I've got all work to do and Emma's work and, and so on. We're having to find everything locally, all this sort of stuff for the baby and so on. I mean, it's, it's sort of fine, but we've just got no sense whatsoever when we're meant to be getting back. Yes, because we're actually getting news over here, and I don't know how it's filtering over to you, but what, what they've said at the moment is they, they, they every, every night say, right, we'll let you know they should be running by 1 o'clock tomorrow morning. Then it gets to 1 o'clock and they say, right, nothing's going to fly till 7. And they've done this day after day after day. The people in Iceland are now saying they don't know how long the volcano's going to keep erupting for, so they can't say whether or not it's going to be two days two months or two years well that's what that's that, that well, well, it wasn't it the case a hundred years ago when it happened it went on for 18 months yes yeah, so something so like I, that so it was a long time it was a long time but here it's exactly the same i mean the the people with tourettes you know just keep everybody's expectations keep being managed as you say in much the same way so they say it's 7 p.m then 1 a.m then the next morning at 7 a.m it's 1 p.m and then 1am and there's people packing every day, not knowing whether they're going to go, and then not being able to go and unpacking again and grumpily going back to their rooms with their cases and so on. It's a, it's a really weird situation. And, I mean, we're standing, standing in a sort of a lobby of a hotel right next to the sea, and I can see Turkey opposite uh, across this small bit of the Aegean Sea. There's, I mean, apart from a but, but, but I mean, I sort of thought about a boat, but, you know, a pedlo, it would take weeks. <laughs> well, it would with your little legs, yes, definitely. I mean, <laughs> you'd never get back across. What worries me is, are you actually booked on a flight to come back? At the moment, at the moment, I, I, Expedia have managed to book us onto a flight that goes from Rhodes to Gatwick next Saturday night. But the problem is, is that, you know, from watching the news, I mean, in, the, in this hotel room, the only news we've got that isn't sort of Greek or, or whatever is BBC News, World News, whatever. And, but, you know, from the look of it, there'll be, there'll be emergency flights, there'll be commercial flights, mm. there'll be... And then, of course, we're a, we're, a, we're a charter EasyJet flight from Rhodes to Gatwick, I and mean, we're going to be quite far down the pecking order in terms of landing space and flight times, mm. I'd have thought, even if the flight is on time. Yeah. So, what, so what, what's the mood of the people that you've bumped into and you've spoken to? Are they, are they fed up with the situation? Well, <clears throat> there are no other British people in this hotel now, <laughs> because the other British people that were here were here with holiday with tour operators. And although the tour operators are responsible for them to be here, they've shunted them all off to cheaper hotels on the island in order to 
much, you know, than, which they weren't very happy about. So all the all the bricks have gone, and they've got they they're, they're being contained in sort of holidays, hotels near the airport, sort of waiting to see what's happening from there. And and so the only other people here now are mainly um, French and Germans. So it, it's just, it's a, it's a suck-it-and-see situation, isn't it? You just have to wait there until you get some more information and then hope that they start running the flights at before Saturday. So by the time it gets to you, that your flight will, will go. Well, that's exactly it, because if they start, if they only open the airspace on sort of Friday or Saturday morning, there's no chance we're going to be able to get out on Saturday. But the problem is, for me, is that, um, is that flights only leave roads on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Right. So if we miss the flight this Saturday, I'd probably like you to be here for another week. Oh dear, which is something you don't need. That's something I don't need. And also, the, you know, the, perhaps the worst thing of all is that I bought a really expensive internet radio so I could listen to LBC in the room, and there's no Wi-Fi that's completely useless and completely cut off. Well, I mean, that is, as far as I'm concerned, the worst bit of this holiday. <laughs> well, it's, it, it, there's Wi-Fi in reception, so I've been occasionally bringing my LBC, my, my internet radio down to reception and plugging it in so I can listen to a bit of the radio, but, but otherwise, um, it's just... Greek, telly and vine leaves. <laughs> well, one can only hazard a guess. Well, listen, keep us in touch with what, what's going on, Jonathan, then we'll, we'll, we'll sort of keep in touch with you and find out, you know, where we are. So once, once the flights start going or things start looking as though they're moving, let us know and then we'll, we'll sort of get you back on again. Thanks, Steve. Nice to talk to you. All right, take care. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Jonathan Levi and his family stuck out there in Rhodes. But as he said, and he, he took his internet radio so he could listen to LBC. And, of course, the one thing you can't do, they've got no Wi-Fi. Uh, the Foreign Office, incidentally, have set up a helpline for people with relatives stuck abroad. So if you've got a question, this is the number. I warn you, it'll be busy. 0207 008 0000. That's the Foreign Office helpline for people with relatives stuck abroad and people coming back. It's 0207 008 0000. This is LBC. News headlines, Sam Pittis. Oh, I don't think we have Sam Pittis. We'll we'll come back to Sam Pittis a little bit later on. Should we do the uh, the travel with uh, with Jay Louise? Thank you very much, Steve. Well, as we've been hearing, still no flights allowed to and from UK. Morning, everybody. 19 minutes past six. It's LBC 97.3. Olivia says, say thank you to my fantastic mum, Zoe. Also to dad and uncle, stuck in Russia, but trying to get the 40-hour train home. God, it's, I mean, it's, you've no idea, have you? Who'd have realised, as Anthony Davis said to me this morning, having finished a long overnight programme, that a volcano would cause this much, disrupt, this, this much disruption? I'm now seeing images on the television of supermarkets saying, but we, we're running out. We're running out. I haven't seen that as yet, but no doubt later on today I will be. And that will be uh, forming the basis, probably, of a lot of the interviews today with people saying, should we stockpile? Because you can't stockpile fruit, because it'll go off. It's just ridiculous. If it runs out, it runs out. But I think, you know, there's there's frozen stuff. We're not going to starve, put it that way. But uh, we just hope that uh, everybody's all right. If you've got friends abroad and uh, you want to know exactly where they are, the uh, Foreign Office have that number, 0207 008. Double zero double zero O two O seven double zero eight double zero double zero. They've got a few lines on there, but uh, take my word for it, it's going to be really, really busy. As a lot of people phone up and say, Well, we've got relatives, we don't know where they are, they'll they'll do their best to help you, but just 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 bearing in mind their hands are tied as much as anybody else's. Dawn says, I know that several of the artists I support have been unable to get to their gigs because of this volcanic ash. I've also seen gigs being cancelled for artists that I don't support. 
I'm going to see the travelling band at the borderline on Thursday. One of the guys in the band is stranded in New York. He's the lead singer on some of the songs. A couple of them rotate singing the lead for different songs. They also rotate with their instruments. I'm wondering how things will work out if he doesn't make it back in time. Well, there's no chance he's going to be coming from New York. If, if as you just heard from Jonathan Levi, uh, they've said Sunday, Saturday, Sunday at the earliest. But if the backlog is so much, if they've started flying by that time, it could be another week. Because they only fly, I think, from Rhodes. And I remember Simon Calder telling me this a while ago. Wednesday and Sundays. Wednesday and Saturdays. And uh, so anybody coming from New York, unfortunately, they won't be able to get here because the planes for New York haven't taken off from this country. So that's generally how it works. They'll have the, uh, the turnaround and then people will be coming back in again. But at the moment, it's just not happening. I dread to imagine how much people are, people are losing on this. Uh, Amanda Holden, very shocked at the record audience. Although... I wasn't at all shocked at the record audience for Britain's Got Talent. The reason I wasn't shocked is because there's so little on the television nowadays that when you get something which is what we call light ent, people are very interested. I think people were a bit electioneered out for a while and they wanted something that was very light, and this certainly was. Dancing Dog and a ten-year-old girl singing a song kind of of makes it. Even, because when we normally get very good weather over the weekend, people don't watch television. So it's even more surprising that a programme can, can garner an audience of 12 million when we've got blazing hot sunshine and people are walking around with their shirts off, sitting in, uh, in pubs by the, uh, the river. Louis Walsh, who was brought in as the guest judge when Simon became ill, and Simon made a surprise return. You began, began to wonder, actually, how ill Simon was, because Louis sat there. <laughs> just love his little face. He, always, he looks so happy. He's going to be doing something he's never done before. And then Simon walks on and takes away his, uh, his, little, his little glow, which is a shame. There's a, a lady here. Which I say she's a lady. She's a five-year-old, and she plays golf. Now, if there's one thing I cannot get to grips with, it's people who play golf. Two close friends of mine, Alec and Hillary from the Barmy Arms in Twickenham, play golf. They are happily go round the world playing golf. I do not get it. I do not. I know people who play golf, and I just can't understand it. I cannot understand. Years ago, you went to the seaside and you played crazy golf, and you got your little ball into the windmill, and then it went through here and it had to come out the other side, or it went to the top of the lighthouse and came down again. But uh, here is uh, tiny Eleanor Gamble, who got a hole in one at the age of five. She's thought to be the youngest golfer in the world to achieve the feat. She did it in Cambridgeshire. She said, I was very excited. Well, she's only got her word for it, haven't you? You're not fi- look, look, I got, that's got in there. Did you hit that from over there? Yes. <laughs> you imagine a five-year-old. Did you really do that? Yes, I really did. Do I get a lollipop now? Youngest for a, for a hole-in-one. Good for her. British firms exported record amounts of food and drink last year. It's mainly all the things like cereal and sausages and... Uh, oh chocolate bars and stuff like the stuff we sent it's going nowhere it's absolutely going nowhere it's a total disaster for everybody total disaster and uh, believe it or not yesterday i told you the weather was good i didn't realize it was this good hotter than spain 19 degrees yesterday on the south coast people packed the beaches in bournemouth alicante may do with just 17 degrees aren't you if you can tell the difference between two degrees you're a you're a better man than i much better um, Rick says, do you think the UK is more clean now as we have no planes over Europe? I never thought about that. I, see, I miss the planes flying over. I'm terribly sorry. I know it's an awful thing. People say, oh, it's lovely and quiet out there. Well, it was always quiet for me. I've got very good double glazing. I don't hear them indoors. If I sit outdoors, then I'm, I'm going to hear them. Steve, I'm bad with planes, even though Dad loves them. I'm not panicking yet, but my dad and uncle are stuck in Russia. I did want to be a vet, but I do want to work with racehorses. Oh, see, I, I'm not sure I could actually be a vet. With the volcano rumbling on in Iceland, 
Has there been an explanation by those who believe in a super being why this is happening, says Smug Johnny. I'm more worried if a second volcano erupts. Because if that erupts, you might as well just close down everything for, for, for ever, ever and a day. If it went for two years the last time this, this volcano erupted, and now they're still saying they don't know, and we've got experts in the field, and they don't know, they just stand there and wait until it just subsides. A bit worrying, isn't it? Although normally, I thought volcanoes went... I thought they were cyclical. I thought they say... It's almost like the Halley's Comet. I thought the Halley Comet goes around and they can say it's going to be back in the year 2075 or something. I thought you could do the same with volcanoes. They work out when it's going to erupt because they go... We, we've got the seismologists out there and they can say the ground is shaking so they know when it's going to go. Why, do, why are we not forewarned? Yeah. Oh, oh is that, oh, it's that, that lax, is it? Very vague. Polly says, it's lovely and quiet. Could you arrange to have the M25 closed and our joy will be complete? Otherwise known as the world's biggest car park, isn't it? They had a residence association in Bury St Edmunds on Saturday and they had Morris dancers. <laughs> Lovely. Morris dance. Actually, I don't know why not Morris dancing. I think it's quite quaint. I think there's nothing nicer if you drive out into the countryside in Saffron Walden and Bishop Stortford and places like that and you sit in a pub and they've got the village green and people are playing cricket and the Morris dancers come and dance in front of your pub. I think that's quite nice. That's quaintly British. I think we should do that, especially as we've now got... Overseas visitors who are overstaying their welcome. We're stuck with them because they're not going back at all. Steve, I work at Gatwick Airport. The manager said today to all staff, go home. But we still got paid. The manager thinks we're back at work on Thursday. Well, it would be lovely to think that it's all going. But I think by that time they'll have had to come up with a contingency plan. There's no way that you can keep things going like this. There must be some way we can do something, even if... We utilise the Navy and we send ships in. We say, listen, if you can get from here to here. Was it John Cleese who chartered a taxi for £3,500? Mind you, this is the man who's just paid out. How much is he paying his wife every month? I think in the recent divorce, something like £100,000 a month he's paying her. Plus, he, she had to pay her so many millions. But he can afford £3,500 for a taxi. <laughs> I thought, that's nice. Uh, Steve, what use was the BA test flight from Heathrow to Cardiff? Susie said, I won't be going to Cyprus tonight with Monarch. I've applied for a refund. Are they offering the refunds? A friend of mine, Michael, uh, I thought they offered you uh, alternative flights. They booked you onto something else. But my friend Michael, who's in Cyprus at the moment, let me tell you exactly what he said, because he sent me an email this morning, and he said the flight was cancelled today. Next day they booked me a Sunday the 25th, and he says uh, they're only paying three days' compensation. This is LBC, 97.3. And that's with, that's with BA. So they can't go back till the, uh, till the 25th. So we want a house near the station and the kids' school. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to 7. Let me give you that number again, because there'll be people just waking up now. This is the Foreign Office helpline for people with relatives stuck abroad. It's 0207 008 Double double zero. Write it down. Keep it next to the uh, telephone. Be prepared for a long wait, though, because there's, uh, they reckon, 150,000 people currently stuck abroad. And so if even only half of them are phoning up, it's going to be a little bit busy. 0207 008 0000. Well, uh, let's hope we get, says Alex, a full week from the newsroom, especially today, as Sam Pitt is. It's a good day for you, Sam. Why is that? Because you had a winner. You, I, I don't believe it. Well, I actually I, don't I, believe it. Well, I, I have to be honest, I had to check it myself twice, but your uh, nag de Boutron, right. or de Boitron, yeah. uh, won at three I, to the one. Latter, it's the latter. It, it was de Boitron. Yeah, that's sorry. Three to one. Three to one. Profit, £6. Yeah. Total loss, £7.15. What? 
I can't believe that. I must be in the black by now, surely. No, you're not. I'm afraid you're still very much in the red. So you need a couple of couple of winners. Don't get too complacent. That, uh, was, a, that was a head-to-head race with uh, Alex as well, wasn't it? Didn't it was, you? yes, yeah. I think so, yes. He had Tiger O'Toole. That was it. Third. Well, he had he gone each way, and he has been each way before. No. He's no, had a bit of money. No, never, never pays off uh, each way. You've got to go for the win. You've got well, to go for the win. He's in profit, £10.15, whether well, you like again, it or not. Again, you see, you bring out these figures. I'm sceptical. Yeah. I am still sceptical about these... Uh, these, these figures. Oh, no, how believe you me. He has, he has records going back six years on the computer. I'm still not quite sure how I ended up, £15 or so, mm. in the red. Because you hadn't had any winners. Well, the okay. whole The whole idea is there is a race of horses, they yeah, go, yeah, they're yeah, off, yeah, yeah. and your one wasn't. Well, I did. Well, I did. Your one was sitting winner. there got sort of making Friday, daisy chains. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, or, or running the day before, or run, exactly. Uh, or, last week. Or yes. not even running at all. Or not running at all, no. <laughs> just... Uh, well, today we're off Milling to about. Plumpton, yep. and he's gone. He's plumped for the 220 at Plumpton via... Now, I think it's via Galilee or Galilee, because okay. it's not spelt in the way that I would expect Galilee. But I've never heard of a horse called via Galilee, but it's win only for Alex. OK, well, that's one of the jump, uh, jump races at Plumpton. There's also uh, jump racing at Kempton and Hexham. Mm-hmm. Uh, flat racing at Windsor and Pontefract. We're going to go to Pontefract, the newsroom nag, Lovely. the 340 at Pontefract. Uh, born to perform, let's hope it is. Born to perform. That's it. They have such funny names, horses, don't they? Well, that's the idea, I think. Yes, yes, exactly. Born to perform, it's good. Have you, have you, just a matter of interest, just very quickly, I only mentioned it because there's a woman in the... Uh, paper today who's on google street view have you google street view where you are not my uh, not the house i've just i moved about uh, about four weeks ago so i haven't done yeah. that i have i have uh, the old house i was in yes well the funny thing is that uh, terry southgate has found his wife on google street view hmm. 43 times <laughs> she's walking the dog so she, they obviously did it on that one day and as they were doing it at the time she was walking the dog, she features in all the roads she's gone round the block and she's the, gone uh, round the, the block gone with her he Great. said i was a bit surprised he said when i saw wendy and the dog and there she was over and over again with the dog <laughs> in different streets oh well that's uh that's certainly certainly one to uh one to be proud of i would have thought you could i wonder how many places you could get into i mean you could i suppose you'd have to know where they were going to be but you could uh, you could be in several places at once essentially couldn't you Yes, there was that poor man who was actually in, uh, in, in Street View, and his garage door was open, mm. and people could see that he had a washing machine and bikes in oh, there, great. and then he got burgled. Oh, right. Not quite as funny, that one, is it's it? It's not quite as funny, that one. I mean, to be honest with you, Google have said, well, you know, we don't think it's absolutely as a result of Street View. No. I've never even Googled my, uh, my place. Well, you should. Yeah, I should do, really, shouldn't I? It's quite fun. I mean, it is, it's, it's a quite, you know, just to have a sort of little look around the street. But to be honest, I mean, unless, as you say, there is someone you know walking their dog, it is yeah. basically just a row of houses, which you can see from your, your front window. So it's not, you know, terribly exciting unless something's actually happening. Yeah, 43 times is just hilarious. That is quite That's fantastic. <laughs> that is brilliant. Good news. Well, let's hope that uh, you're fairly hilarious in the horse racing for tomorrow. What do I, what do I win, by the way? It's uh, quite important, I would have thought. Well, I'm not really sure if it was worth You've anything. I'll uh, uh, tell you what, you know, because I'm feeling particularly generous, yeah. directly opposite from where you are, yeah. okay, look straight ahead. Andre Morgan. Okay, look to the left of Andre. Yeah. Okay, sitting next to the photocopier. Yeah. There's a light bulb, isn't there? Yeah. One of those is yours. It's got Brilliant. your name on it. Thank you. That'll uh, that'll save me a few it's, pennies. It's anyway. a sixty watt light bulb, and you can oh, have 60 that. Watts. It's sixty watts. Well, it, it it plays as twelve watts, so it's an energy saving oh, light good, bulb. Good. So yeah, that you can have. In fact, you can have two. It's just what I needed, actually. Really? The lights have gone in the bathroom. Perfect. Well, there you go. Two light bulbs. Put them in your bag now. You can have those because I, I bought them the other day. They're very expensive, and uh, and I'd, I'd like you to have them. Too good to me, Steve. Too good to me. That's okay. Talk to you tomorrow. See ya. Thank you, Sam Pitts. There you go. I didn't realize we could get rid of the light bulbs that quickly, because I left a box at home by our lift, and nobody touched them for two days.
And I'm, I want to put a sign up saying, please help yourself to these bulbs, because I bought 130 of them. And, uh, and then the other day, somebody had taken three out. So I'm hoping today they take the rest of the light bulbs, because I've still got a boot full of about 100 of them. <laughs> I've given them to all sorts of people. Even Chris Lowry, our weatherman, I gave some to. He said, oh, perhaps I can take them to Spain. I have a feeling they're not going to fit, uh, fit in Spain at all. <laughs> Bit of a shame. Uh, Nick Ferrari, as I say, this morning, talking to Dizzy Rascal. He's got a new single out. It'll be about 9, uh, 9.35 this morning. Uh, generous readers have rallied to sponsor. Actually, talking of, of people rallying to sponsor, of course, the one thing that's going to be fairly quiet is the marathon, isn't it? Because so many of the runners come in from overseas. I mean, it's still going to look fairly busy to most of us. But there's going to be a lot of runners who rely on this to earn money. They are professional runners and they make money through turning up for the marathon. So unless they're, they're here already and they arrived you know, before all this started, it's going to be pretty quiet with runners. Quite cheap for them, I would think. But uh, even uh, one here from Tracy who says, uh, because of the volcano problem, the London Marathon's going to be very quiet. I don't know how many runners come in from overseas. It's going to be, going to be a fair few. Fair few. Vincent says, have you seen the awful people on Sundays come dine with me? Do you know, I missed it. I'm, I'm afraid I've got myself into a dreadful tizzy watching Coach Trip, and I've become, I've become quite ill in fact, so much so, I have to go to the doctors, because it's, it's, they're, they're just picking people. I think they deliberately, in the same way that Jonathan Levi, when he was picking people to be interviewed by Fern Cotton, he deliberately picked them, knowing that they were, they were people who would, who would not appeal to me in the slightest. I can just about get on with parent trip. I start off, I'm afraid, on the, on the wrong level, and then gradually I get one over, because it's a, it's a very carefully constructed programme. But with um, Fern Cotton interviewing people, I'm afraid it just drove me to distraction. So... A bit of a shame, really, on Come Dine With Me, when there's a lot of people now who've learnt how to play the game. When it first started, they didn't. The idea being, you have five strangers, uh, or four, four strangers, who don't know each other, and somebody cooks, and then each night you've got to eat. So you, you better brace yourself for eating a lot of food. And some of the meals look a bit hefty. And, uh, and some of them are just ghastly. But, you know, I would have to call the council round to check what their, uh, what their cooking facilities were like, because some of the food looks absolutely dreadful. Yuck, 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 says Vincent. Horrible, self-indulgent idiots who are just irritating to the max. Free-loving, lazy woman in council house who's decided not to work. Sponger who keeps her old hair in a jar. Miss Jason, the fat drag queen. Windy Miller boy, who's about the best of the bunch. And some old woman who runs two salons and a fancy dress shop. Calls herself an entrepreneur. It was just a dreadful old baggage of the Jordan ilk. And was so rude. Decided to bob out after two nights. Couldn't even be bothered to complete the show as she thought she was better than the rest. That's what's wrong with this country, wrapped up in an hour. It is tr- These programmes, though, are getting the ratings. Nobody used to watch Come Dine With Me. And then people started watching it, and people were going, do you know, this is such a simple premise to invite a few people round. They come into your house, and some people's idea of what a, what a, a meal is and a dinner party is not other people's idea. I still remember the very first one where they had a lady, and I mean, I wouldn't have eaten in her kitchen if you'd paid me, I'm afraid, a million pounds, but her idea of a, of a flash dessert, and we've seen some flash desserts, was ice cream with Maltesers in it. And she thought that was quite, quite posh. And some of the kitchens were just awful. Some of them have been fantastic. People who've got kitchens worth at least, at least £100,000. I mean, one woman who had a kitchen, she was, she was quite young and had a much older partner, and uh, it was a very big house, but there was no warmth in it, no love. You know, some, you walk into somebody's house, and if it's got pictures, and f- you know, you feel warm. This was, this was Spartan, to say the least, and I was a little bit worried by it. But she had a kitchen, which I don't think she'd ever used any of it. She had 
two ovens and... That was two normal ovens. And then she had a convection steamer oven for doing vegetables. And it still managed to turn out rubbish. So quite clearly, she's not learnt how to use it. You tend to find the footballers' wives have a lot of these kitchens. But, you know, they don't, they don't do a kitchen because, you know, break nails and things like that. And also, we, we, we get takeaway pizza. So that's sort of easy. You know, they're living in these flash houses, but they, they don't actually have anything that's worth talking about because it's all, it's all show, I'm afraid. It's all show. How to get the perfect figure comes courtesy of the Daily Express, the easy way. I never believe any... I don't think there's any easy way to get the perfect figure. I really don't. Even with liposuction, even with... You know, emergency surgery that people have. The only way to get a figure is to exercise. It's just not going to happen any other way. And when I say exercise, I mean you eat sensibly. Fruit, you know, eat your uh, your five a day of each. Yes, if you can still get it. My advice, stockpile uh, things today. Because, well, I, th- I think you should go out and get some fruit. Don't keep fruit that's already in past its sell-by. There's no point. And I don't know if you can freeze a lot of stuff. There's no point, is there, really? If you're going to buy... Pi- I mean, how many of you eat pineapples on a daily basis? Probably nobody. You know, but we do go, I'm afraid, to the supermarkets, and we do buy cut-up food, don't we? We, we buy cut-up fruit because we go two for five, and we go, well, that's easy, I'll eat it that way. Whereas it's probably, probably cheaper to go and buy the thing and then cut it up yourself. But uh, perhaps best not to start stockpiling things. As far as I'm... There's no shortage. I've seen Paul Cooper's shop. He's got loads of fruit and veg. Loads. English apples. I mean, it's only if stuff comes from abroad... Of course, a lot of stuff does. The strawberries at the moment are coming from Spain. There's a lot of watercress that's coming from abroad because we haven't sort of got into our own season. But there's loads of apples. You can live on apples. We've got tons of apples in this country. There's no shortage. A lot of rhubarb is coming from abroad, but we've got the British rhubarb coming through now. Look at me knowing about fruit and veg at this time of the morning. I mean, it's almost, you know, it's almost an education, I think, for me. I didn't realise I knew so much about fruit and veg. I could, all the potatoes, so many of the potatoes now we grow in this country. There's only a few that are coming from overseas. But most of it, you know, unless it's a pineapple or it's a, a pawpaw or look, honestly, exotic fruits and everything, you know, or something like that. But you can survive quite happily, can't you, with English-grown stuff. About time we started buying a bit more English-grown stuff. That number again from the Foreign Office, in case you missed it, if you've got relatives abroad, 0207 and uh, sunshine, next ten days, they say. But uh, I think tomorrow, cloudy but remaining dry. Sunshine, light winds remaining dry on Wednesday. But today, fine start, chance of showers later, with a high of 16 degrees centigrade. It's not bad, you know. It's not bad. Quarter to seven. News headlines, Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The government's considering using the Royal Navy to ferry passengers back to... Don't forget Nick Ferrari this morning talking to Dizzy Rascal. Yes, you heard it correctly. Dizzy Rascal with Nick Ferrari this morning. Actually, I just had a thought that if you were abroad, uh, when I go abroad and, uh, and I take my medicine with me, I have, to get, I have to pass it with the insurance company because they have to go, right, well, how, how ill are you? And you explain, quite ill. And they go, right, and they then come back to you and go, yes, it's OK, we'll give you insurance for that trip. But if I was, say, abroad at the moment and I'd only taken two weeks' medicine, which would apply to a lot of people... A lot of people now have medicine, or if I'd only taken enough insulin for two weeks for my holiday, and all of a sudden there were no flights coming back, and you're in, just supposing, hypothetically, I was in a place where it wasn't that accessible, and this would apply to a lot of people, and I've, I've got no more insulin or I've got no more tablets, what do you do? Because whenever I go abroad, I just take enough for that particular trip. I wouldn't take, you know, all my insulin. I might just take, well, in fact, at the moment, I might just take four pens... But if after a while they say, well, you're not flying back, that would be a disaster. You don't have to go to the local hospital where they might not speak English. I wouldn't normally take my prescription, but I've started learning to take my prescription so they can see what tablets I'm on. And then you'd have to go there and say, well, I need this and I need that. 
And then, of course, because I get it free over here, would I have to pay for it abroad? What happens if you'd run out of money, if you'd only taken enough money and you didn't have a credit card? A lot of people don't have credit cards now. There's all sorts of implications that I just, I just thought about a moment ago. Warren says, we were very lucky. They had Georgie Fame in concert yesterday. He'd just completed a week at Ronnie Scott, so he was in the country because he lives in Sweden. So imagine he wouldn't have been able to get over. But uh, they then found out that the opening band... Robin Beebe was in France. Luckily, he managed to get back by train on Saturday. And then uh, we told him if he couldn't get back, he should make his way to the Dunkirk Beach and we'd send a boat from Teddington Lock. Worked in World War Two. Don't see why. Although they, they did try that, Warren, the other day. They tried that because Dan Snow went over there with some of these inflatables to get people off the beaches in France to bring them back home again. Managed one trip and the French authorities went, no more. No, you get, but listen, they need to live. No, 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 no. Because they're obviously not going through passport control. It, it, it must, there must be all sorts of problems. You can't just take people off beaches and land them on beaches in this country. That's what you've got the Coast Guard for. So, uh, so they, they fell foul of it there. But just to, just to reassure you, ladies, you'd be delighted to know that the average mother listening at the moment spends five months of her life doing the laundry. And isn't it the most boring thing under the sun? I mean, luckily, I don't. I have a lady called Mel who does ironing. Mel and Sandy, and they, they, they sort out my ironing and stuff like that. I can't iron for, for toffee. There's no point. It's easier if, if professional people do it. But 26 minutes on uh, ironing every time you turn on the washing machine. Six loads a week, they reckon. I can only equate it to the parents of my godchildren, where Sharon is not only running a business, but has got to do all the clothes for the kids. And if they're at school, because Nathan's just had his 12th birthday... Uh, they get through so many clothes. I know what I get through and how much it costs me during the uh, during the week to get everything washed and ironed. Imagine if you've got a pile of laundry and you're going, I really don't want to do it. I really don't want to do it. But you've got to do it because otherwise the kids have got nothing to wear in school. You know what kids are doing now, which I'm quite, quite pleased at, actually? They're rushing to join the Scouts. They're on the trail of fresh adventures. And I, I quite like that idea because it keeps them off the street. It gives them a purpose. They're learning something. And when I was young, I was in the Cubs. Never quite made it to the Scouts because we moved back from Hong Kong. But I, I like the idea that kids do something now or just join anything. You know, you can, you can join any of the organisations. They'll welcome you. Actually, next week we've got rugby in Twickenham. The week after we've got the Army and Navy. And I've told you before how disastrous that is for Twickenham. That's where we have more military police in Twickenham to deal with drunken soldiers and sailors. There is more. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. About 80,000 will turn up, 20,000 of which will never, ever see a rugby ball. will never get anywhere near the stadium because uh, they're too busy propping up bars. They seem to come with the sole intention of drinking as much as they can. I mean, the people of Twickenham revel in it because they try and get, you know, as, as many... Th- the restaurants are all full up. Even the terrible restaurants are all full up. People just go and eat. They don't care. They, all the pubs will be doing barbecues and stuff, and they all get packed solid because you make the money as quickly as possible. You don't get that many rugby games throughout the year, but the Army and Navy one is particularly bad for nudity. For some reason, half our armed forces insist on taking their clothes off when they've had a few drinks. Last year, they had to take away the porter cabin toilets because they were trying to push them into the river. So you can imagine just how bad it gets. It's quite an entertaining thing, provided you're having nothing to do with it. But uh, that's, the, that's the week after next, which is very interesting. Steve, my sister's on Street View, and my dad's Yorkie is also to be seen standing at the window, says Anne-Marie, and I hate small dogs. <laughs> I quite like little dogs. I'm not little tiny, tiny dogs. I've seen some of you go, oh, isn't that cute? And I've seen dogs on Britain's Got Talent, and I'm not over keen on some of those. I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you walk and the dog goes between your legs. It, you see that at Crufts. 
I'm not a huge fan of Crofts either. But all these things on the television where they put dogs on, people go, oh, isn't that clever? Not really. It's a trained animal. It's been trained to do it. And yet some people go, oh, that's dreadful, circuses, trained animals. What do you think that dog is on the television? It doesn't do it naturally. The woman who was on Saturday claims that her dog talks as well. Well, I mean, I ask you. I ask you. Uh, D says, I've got a 30-foot living room and a kitchen the size of a matchbox. Got a washing machine, took up half the room. I've given up. Come dine with me. Come take me out. Yes, I agree. Martin says, most of our chicken comes from Thailand. Yes, you see, there's a lot of stuff that comes over. A lot of stuff. And Gary says, most fruit and veggies brought in by truck or ship. Only very exotic fruits have flown in. Well, I only eat very exotic fruits, I'm afraid. I don't do any of the stuff that comes in by truck or ship. I mean, that's far too common. I want the stuff that comes in on its own first-class seat. That is, as far as I'm concerned, the indication of how classy the food is. I hope there aren't any professional runners in the marathon because I'd like to see an ordinary person win it. Maybe somebody dressed in costume, Steve. No chance. They have professional runners. The professional runners are there. You've got the people who raise money for the charity. You've got that bloke who used to dress up. Do you remember the, uh, with the deep-sea diving? And he was still going two weeks after the thing finished, which I found most entertaining. But I just thought to myself, how do you go to the toilet in this thing? It must take forever. But you'd, you have to have professional runners because otherwise you'd all be standing there for it. You're never going to get anybody winning it dressed in a costume. Because they just, they're not fit. I thought it was funny that Jordan pulled out of the marathon this year and they're going, oh, the doctor's advised. I thought, well, last year she took seven hours to do it, so there's no point, really. She's not a professional runner. And then Alex Reed, who we mentioned over the weekend, who is the little... Because they're, they're still on holiday in Sharm el-Sheikh. They're likely to stay there with a bit of luck. But they're on the front page of the Daily Star today. They're saying that they, they've fallen out of love and she's saying to friends, I want him out of my life. Although, strange enough, there is a picture of her... Um, topless bathing in Egypt. I didn't think they did topless bathing in Sharm el-Sheikh. I could be wrong, but I thought being a Muslim country, they're not going to have that kind of thing going. I thought they hanged people for that sort of thing. You know, people dress up, people cover up. You're not supposed to go topless, I'm afraid. Not as far as I know, unless it's changed dramatically. But uh, they're in Sharm el-Sheikh. It's Muslim. It's Muslim. There's a, put this way, there is... You, you want to buy alcohol, they set the rate in Sharm el-Sheikh. That's why we advised people last week, if you're going to Sharm el-Sheikh, take your own alcohol. Because the prices are... A minimum bottle of wine in Sharm el-Sheikh is about £30 for a cheap bottle of wine. So that's why people take their own booze. I didn't think in a Muslim country you can sunbathe topless. I, I saw the picture the other week and I was convinced that it was, it was an old picture that they just put in there. Because I anyway, she's saying on the front page of the paper that she's had enough with him and wants to get rid because he thinks he's a big celebrity. Well, he's not. He's not even a very clever cage fighter because he's just pulled out of his cage fighting gig. The other guy was all ready to fight him and knock him out straight away because he's not particularly good, I'm afraid, Alex Ree. And uh, he's fallen out because he's hurt his leg. Oh, diddums. That's the trouble with these cage fighters. They're not as strong as they look, are they? Although, as anybody in cage fighting will tell you, and I've told you a thousand times before... He's not actually that good. He's not actually that good, I'm afraid. Bit of a shame. Uh, other stories on the front of the papers this morning, very quickly. Apart from the, uh, the volcanic cloud chaos, no end in sight, they're saying on the front of the Express. The schools and businesses could be hit, and this could cost a billion. A billion! Lots of people who are, who are suffering. Telegraph this morning, BA are going to fly in face of the ban. This is after Willie Walsh went up there, and we'll find out later on today what's going to happen. And uh, they're now talking about John Venables on the front of the mirror. Plus, the airline boss is saying, go on, let us fly today, please. If you're flying or not, 
and uh, keep tuned to LBC. We'll let you know exactly what's going on. We gave you earlier on the uh, the number from the Foreign Office if you've got people abroad you want to know what's happening to them. 0207 in case their phones run out. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Nick Ferrari's with you after the news at 7. Don't forget to check out the LBC website for all the up-to-date news on the, uh, on the volcano, plus all the photos, plus you can check out the podcasting and everything else. Dizzy Rascal with Nick this morning at about 9.35. I'm back with you tomorrow at 5.00. First of all, here's this morning's business update with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing down 81 points at 